There is no better place that we can find our identity than how the Word of God shows us to find our identity. And the one that had the most perfect understanding of identity in the world was Jesus Christ. So today we're going to talk about you and your identity and Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to All Things Apostolic. We're delighted that you are here with us today. We have been talking now for some time about an extremely important subject, and that is our identity. And the title of our uh, discussions has been You and Your Identity. We've talked about several times the fact that my identity and my opinion of who I am and my definition of of what I am uh, has everything to do with my whole life. And wrapped into all of this are issues of self-esteem, are issues on the other end of that. If it's a poor self-esteem, the other end of narcissistic thinking that, you know, the whole world revolves around you. Uh, that's what it did when you were one year old and you still think that uh, like a one year old, that everything's supposed to revolve around you. So our identities are critical for uh, everything to do with our life. And the issue of our identity invades every aspect of whatever, whatever we're doing, our view of ourselves and our understanding of ourselves, and whether that understanding is correct or not, has so much to do uh, with uh, ourselves and those around us and our success, job, future, all of this has to do with identity. So uh, I guess there would be a lot of ideas about how a person has a healthy identity. People have proposed all kinds of things. We are, um, we are teachers here of theology, and we are preachers of the Bible and believers in the Bible. Uh, which means that where we get our information of what is healthy and what is wholesome comes from the Bible. It may be put into other words that articulate it to a particular audience in a, in a more comfortable way, uh, but it comes through Scripture. We actually believe, yes, that's true, we actually believe that the Bible is the prescription. It has the prescription for every, um, every need that's in man, whether it's physical or emotional, mental, or spiritual. Uh, the Bible has these answers. Now, so somebody says, okay, then I'm going to go get it. And they go open a Bible and they look at it and they say, I don't even know where to start. Well, those answers are, are they're there. But those problems that you're dealing with are pretty complex sometimes. There's a lot of complexities. You hear so much talked about environment and the way people are raised and the influence of our parents' opinion of us. And uh, I was just discussing uh, earlier an issue today where uh, a young man is a tremendous young man and he was being complimented for how, uh, what a tremendous young man he was, what a great worker he was and uh, intelligence and, and so forth. But his opinion of himself was like maybe not zero, but it was very low. And so um, how can that be? How can that be? 
well, there's probably all kinds of factors and environmental factors, and uh, we have a tendency to take the opinion of others about ourselves, uh, whether it's our parents or our siblings, whether it's our teachers or, or our enemies, uh, anybody that gives an opinion about us, it impacts us one way or another. And um, <clears throat> so these are things that we need permanent answers for. So from Scripture, we would think that the most balanced and sound human being that ever was would be Jesus Christ. Now, the moment I say Jesus Christ, people think of his deity. But when I'm teaching today about um, our identity, I'm teaching about his humanity. And in his humanity as a person who had purpose in life, that God had a purpose for him and has a purpose for you, uh, his identity had to be developed and was developed like ours is developed. And so we don't want to discount the humanity of Jesus. He was holy God over here, but he was also holy man. And um, as man, he ate and drank and slept. God doesn't have to eat or drink or sleep. And, uh, and uh, he breathed. God, God, the way God breathes is different than the way we breathe. He has his own breath. And, and um, uh, he had a physical body and all of these things that have to do with terrestrial life, earth life, rather than celestial life, which is on a whole different plane. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, there's a body celestial and there's a body terrestrial. And um, each has its own glory. Uh, and so when we talk about this, we have to talk about the humanity of Christ. We know that when, uh, uh, when he was eight days old, we don't know much about Jesus uh, before he was 30 years old. Uh, he was circumcised at eight days, and then we find him... 12 years later, he is in the temple uh, discussing great issues of the word of God with the doctors and the scholars and the theologians that were there. Uh, and his parents come upon him, and this is what he's doing. And they said, where have you been? He said, uh, I've been about my father's business. And so the Bible says uh, one of the other few little snatches of of information we have about him is that uh, he grew as a child. He grew in stature physically, and uh, uh, he grew in favor with man and God. So he was a comely child. He was a child that people loved and that people liked. He he was winsome and, uh, uh, and had respect for other human beings, which is part of being liked is having respect for others. Then um, uh, he is a carpenter, which in those days, the, the Greek word for carpenter probably includes, and maybe mainly, was a stonemason. They didn't have any two-before studs that, like, we go to the lumber store and, and buy lumber. It wasn't carpenter like that, but it was a builder. It would be more like a general contractor that can do uh, diverse ways of construction. Anyway, uh, he was that till he was... 30 years old. And then he was introduced to the world. Okay, we're talking about identity. 
He was introduced to the world by John the Baptist. And he was introduced as the Messiah that had been sought for for centuries in the Old Testament. People had looked for the Messiah to come. He had been prophesied about, there's many prophecies, scores of prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah that would come. There were expectations in the days that Jesus was born that the Messiah would come. They were under the rule of Rome. They were in the times of the Gentiles, which started with their uh, subjugation by Babylon and by Assyria in 700 B.C. in that area, 732 or 38 in that period of time. Uh, the ten tribes in the north were subjected to Assyria, conquered. And that began the times of the Gentiles. And then about 600, 605, 538, somewhere in that area, um, they became, the two southern tribes became uh, subject to uh, Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, as a result of that, the times of the Gentiles was in full orb. So the times of the Gentiles in the Bible is a time defined as the time in which Gentile nations rule over Israel. There is going to be an end to the times of the Gentiles. It will end with the second coming of Christ in which he will establish um, Israel in the promises that he made to them to be the head and not the tail. They won't be the only nation that goes into the millennium. There will be many nations that are there. So for Israel to be a nation that goes there is they're a special nation. But the fact that nations go into the millennium won't be a special thing. It'll be the order of the day. So Jesus is introduced by John. And then he goes to be baptized of John. And John says, I, you should be baptizing me instead of me baptizing you. And Jesus said, no, this is, this is that righteousness must be fulfilled. When Jesus comes out of that water, it was the most profound and transformative experience of his life, at least to date. It set the foundation. We're talking about you and your identity. It set the foundation for his identity of himself for the rest of his life. When he came out of the water, he received uh, revelation. The Bible says the heavens opened and a voice spake. Matthew says, this is my beloved son, implying that the voice was speaking to the people that were gathered there at the baptism. And that was true. It was an announcement to the people that this is my beloved son. However, when you go to Mark uh, or Luke, rather, Luke says, Thou art my beloved son. So there was a transmission of revelatory message given to the man, Christ Jesus, that day. And when he said, Thou art my beloved son, this was a declaration of sonship. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, that he was born the son of God from the womb of Mary but he is declared to be the son of God. That's two different things. The declaration of sonship is, um, is faintly seen today in a bar mitzvah when they take a 12-year-old boy, Jewish 
people, there is a ritual where they take him and it's the ritual of announcing that he has reached manhood and he's put on a little die, a little platform. I've seen this happen in Israel. And, um, and uh, the father announces, well, how does he know it's time? Well, the Bible says the father announces it's at the time appointed of the father. And so there was a time appointed. Jesus came in the fullness of time. That in the time appointed, it was time for the announcement. He's 30 years old. And, and a father will announce at a bar mitzvah that this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, everybody, all the neighbors have been invited to this. They all, and the people in the, in the community, they all know that it's his son. They've been raised, their kids have played together and so forth. That's not what he's talking about. This is also called adoption, but it's not adoption of a son that was not in the family. It could be that, but it, that's not what this was about. This right of adoption was um, adoption. He's already son by birth, and now he's adopted his son with authority. And so it was a proclamation that he is a man. And as son, the father has determined that it is time for him to be a ruler in the house and have full authority to run this whole household because businesses in those days were primarily family enterprises. And um, this is where we get the word dispensation. Dispensation means house rules. It means a family model, a form of government. And so through the Bible, there's been different adjustments in the government that God has administrated his work in the earth. However, it's always been a family government. It's always been a dispensational kind of government down through time. And so here is, here is, here is Jesus and the voice says, thou art my beloved son. Well, Jesus knew that he knew who his father was and he knew he didn't have an earthly father, but that's not, it wasn't, that was not the announcement. The announcement was that this is the time when the responsibility for the household is being laid upon you the responsibility, and we're going to give you instruction and training on how you become the leader of the household. All of this is part of his identity and part of him finding himself. And when those heavens opened as a man, what he saw was the breathtaking scope of what it meant to be who he was. We're talking identity. And when he saw what it meant to be the Messiah, he was overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed. The Bible says that he was then, one, one gospel writer says he was then led of the Spirit into the wilderness. Another writer says he was driven of the Spirit into the wilderness. And the overwhelming power of the revelation of his own identity drove him into the wilderness. So what about you and me? Well, when you look at it biblically and you look at a biblical theology of leadership, you will find that this happened with every great leader in the Bible. There was a time in their life, early in life, when they were finding themselves in God. There was a time in which they experienced a transformative encounter with God. 
It was a visionary encounter. It is a time when God actually reveals to a man or a woman what their life is to be of. There is such an encounter for everybody. Everybody does not have the encounter, but there is such an encounter. So our time's kind of up today, but let me end with a question. Have you had that kind of encounter, a visionary encounter with God in prayer where you sense that God wants to show you the direction of what you are to be? Are you living in frustration saying, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know who I'm supposed to be. I don't know what, I, what my next step is. Well, let me tell you, from a Christian viewpoint, the prescription for that is you go to God in prayer. You let God talk to you. There'll come a point in your relationship with God in which he will open the heavens to you. He will show you direction. Trust him. Believe what I'm telling you today. God has direction for your life, and it's not out of your reach, and I'm encouraging you today. God's going to show your, your own identity as you walk with him.